0: Chapters 26 through 30 of Theologia Germanica. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by J. A. Carter. Theologia Germanica by an anonymous author. Translated by Susanna Winkworth. Chapters 26 through 30. CHAPTER 26. TOUCHING POORNESS OF SPIRIT AND TRUE HUMILITY, AND WHEREBY WE MAY DISCERN THE TRUE AND LAWFUL FREE MEN WHOM THE TRUTH HATH MADE FREE. BUT IT IS QUITE OTHERWISE WHERE THERE IS POORNESS OF SPIRIT AND TRUE HUMILITY. AND IT IS SO BECAUSE IT IS FOUND AND KNOWN OF A TRUTH THAT A MAN OF HIMSELF AND HIS OWN POWER IS NOTHING, HATH NOTHING, CAN DO, AND IS CAPABLE OF NOTHING but only infirmity and evil. Hence followeth that the man findeth himself altogether unworthy of all that hath been or ever will be done for him by God or the creatures, and that he is a debtor to God and also to all the creatures in God's stead, both to bear with and to labour for and to serve them. And therefore he doth not in any wise stand up for his own rights, but from the humility of his heart he saith, It is just and reasonable. That God and all creatures should be against me, and have a right over me and to me, and that I should not be against any one, nor have a right to anything. Hence it followeth that the man doth not and will not crave or beg for anything, either from God or the creatures, beyond mere needful things, and for those only with shamefacedness, as a favour and not as a right. And he will not minister unto or gratify his body or any of his natural desires beyond what is needful, nor allow that any should help or serve him except in case of necessity, and then always with trembling. For he hath no right to anything, and therefore he thinketh himself unworthy of anything. So, likewise, all his own discourse, ways, words, and works seem to this man a thing of naught and a folly, Therefore he speaketh little, and doth not take upon himself to admonish or rebuke any, unless he be constrained thereto by love or faithfulness towards God. And even then he doth it in fear, and so little as may be. Moreover, when a man hath this poor and humble spirit, he cometh to see and understand aright how that all men are bent upon themselves, and inclined to evil and sin, and that on this account it is needful and profitable that there be order, customs, laws, and precepts, to the end that the blindness and foolishness of men may be corrected, and that vice and wickedness may be kept under, and constrained to seemliness. For without ordinances men would be much more mischievous and ungovernable than dogs and cattle, and few have come to the knowledge of the truth, but what have begun with holy practices and ordinances and exercised themselves therein so long as they knew nothing more nor better. Therefore one who is poor in spirit and of a humble mind doth not despise or make light of law, order, precepts, and holy customs, nor yet of those who observe and cleave holy to them, but with loving pity and gentle sorrow crieth, Almighty Father, thou eternal truth, I make my lament unto thee, and it grieveth thy spirit too that through man's blindness infirmity and sin that is made needful and must be which in deed and truth were neither needful nor right for those who are perfect are under no law so order laws precepts and the like are merely an admonition to men who understand nothing better and know and perceive not wherefore all law and order is ordained and the perfect except the law along with such ignorant men as understand and know nothing better and practice it with them to the intent that they may be restrained thereby and kept from evil ways or if it be possible brought to something higher behold all that we have said of poverty and humility is so of a truth and we have the proof and witness thereof in the pure life of christ and in his words for he both practiced and fulfilled every work of true humility and all other virtues as shineth forth in his holy life And he saith also expressly, Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Moreover he did not despise and said at naught the law and the commandments, nor yet the men who are under the law. He saith, I am not come to destroy the law or the prophets, but to fulfill. But he saith further, that to keep them is not enough, we must press forward to what is higher and better as is indeed true. He saith, Except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. For the law forbiddeth evil works, but Christ condemneth also evil thoughts. The law alloweth us to take vengeance on our enemies, but Christ commandeth us to love them. The law forbiddeth not the good things of this world, but he counseleth us to despise them. And he hath set his seal upon all he said with his own holy life, for he taught nothing that he did not fulfill in work, and he kept the law and was subject unto it to the end of his mortal life. Likewise St. Paul saith, Christ was made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. That is, that he might bring them to something higher and nearer to himself. He said again, The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. In a word, in Christ's life and words and works, we find nothing but true, pure humility and poverty, such as we have set forth. And therefore, where God dwelleth in a man, and the man is a true follower of Christ, it will be and must be and ought to be the same. But where there is pride and a haughty spirit and a light, careless mind, Christ is not, nor any true follower of his. Christ said, My soul is troubled even unto death. He meaneth his bodily death, that is to say, from the time that he was born of Mary until his death on the cross, he had not one joyful day, but only trouble, sorrow, and contradiction. Therefore it is just and reasonable that his servants should be even as their master. Christ saith also, Blessed are the poor in spirit, that is, those who are truly humble, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And thus we find it of a truth where God is made man, for in Christ and in all his true followers there must needs be thorough humility and poorness of spirit, a lowly retiring disposition, and a heart laden with a secret sorrow and mourning so long as this mortal life lasteth. And he who dreameth otherwise is deceived, and deceiveth others with him as aforesaid, Therefore, nature and self always avoid this life and cling to a life of false freedom and ease, as we have said. Behold, now cometh an Adam, or an evil spirit, wishing to justify himself and make excuse, and saith, Thou wilt almost have it that Christ was bereft of self and the like, yet he spoke often of himself and glorified himself in this and that. Answer, When a man in whom the truth worketh hath and ought to have a will toward anything, his will and endeavor and works are for no end but that the truth may be seen and manifested. And this will was in Christ. And to this end, words and works were needful. And what Christ did because it was the most profitable and best means thereunto, he no more took unto himself than anything else that happened. Dost thou say now, Then there was a wherefore in Christ? I answer, If thou wert to ask the sun, Why shinest thou? He would say, I must shine, and cannot do otherwise, for it is my nature and property. But this my property, and the light I give, is not of myself, and I do not call it mine. So likewise it is with God, and Christ, and all who are godly and belong unto God. In them is no willing, nor working, nor desiring, but has for its end goodness as goodness, for the sake of goodness. And they have no other wherefore than this. Chapter 27 How we are to take Christ's words when he bade forsake all things, and wherein the union with the divine will standeth. Now, according to what hath been said, Ye must observe that when we say, as Christ also saith, that we ought to resign and forsake all things. This is not to be taken in the sense that a man is neither to do nor to purpose anything. For a man must always have something to do and to order, so long as he liveth. But we are to understand by it that the union with God standeth not in any man's powers, in his working or abstaining, perceiving or knowing, nor in that of all the creatures taken together now what is this union it is that we should be of a truth purely simply and wholly at one with the one eternal will of god or altogether without will so that the created will should flow out into the eternal will and be swallowed up and lost therein so that the eternal will alone should do and leave undone in us now mark what may help or further us towards this end Behold, neither exercises nor words nor works nor any creature nor creature's work can do this. In this wise therefore must we renounce and forsake all things that we must not imagine or suppose that any words, works or exercises any skill or cunning or any created thing can help or serve us thereto. Therefore we must suffer these things to be what they are and enter into the union with God. Yet outward things must be, and we must do and refrain so far as is necessary. Especially we must sleep and wake, walk and stand still, speak and be silent, and much more of the like. These must go on, so long as we live. Chapter 28 How, after a union with the divine will, the inward man standeth immovable, the while the outward man is moved hither and thither. Now, when this union truly cometh to pass and becometh established, the inward man standeth henceforward immovable in this union, and God suffereth the outward man to be moved hither and thither from this to that of such things as are necessary and right, so that the outward man saith in sincerity, I have no will to be or not to be to live or die, to know or not to know, to do or to leave undone and the like. But I am ready for all that is to be or ought to be, and obedient thereunto, whether I have to do or to suffer. And thus the outward man hath no wherefore or purpose, but only to do his part to further the eternal will. For it is perceived of a truth that the inward man shall stand immovable, and that it is needful for the outward man to be moved. And if the inward man have any wherefore in the actions of the outward man, he saith only that such things must be and ought to be as ordained by the eternal will. And where God himself dwelleth in the man, it is thus, as we plainly see in Christ. Moreover, where there is this union, which is the offspring of a divine light and dwelleth in its beams, there is no spiritual pride or irreverent spirit but boundless humility and a lowly broken heart also an honest blameless walk justice peace content and all that is of virtue must needs be there where they are not there is no right union as we have said for just as neither this thing nor that can bring about or further this union so there is nothing which hath power to frustrate or hinder it save the man himself with his self-will that doeth him this great wrong. Of this be well assured. Chapter 29 How a man may not attain so high before death as not to be moved or touched by outward things. There be some who affirm that a man, while in this present time, may and ought to be above being touched by outward things, and in all respects as Christ was after his resurrection this they try to prove and establish by christ's words i go before you into galilee there ye shall see me and again a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have these sayings they interpret thus as ye have seen me and been followers of me in my mortal body and life so also it behoveth you to see me and follow me as i go before you into galilee that is to say into a state in which nothing hath power to move or grieve the soul, on which state ye shall enter and live and continue therein, before that ye have suffered and gone through your bodily death. And as ye see me having flesh and bones and not liable to suffer, so shall ye likewise, while yet in the body, and having your mortal nature, cease to feel outward things, were it even the death of the body. Now I answer in the first place to this affirmation, that Christ did not mean that a man should or could attain unto this state unless he have first gone through and suffered all that Christ did. Now Christ did not attain thereunto before he had passed through and suffered his natural death, and what things appertained thereunto. Therefore no man can or ought to come to it so long as he is mortal and liable to suffer. For if such a state were the noblest and best, and if it were possible and right to attain to it, as aforesaid, in this present time, then it would have been attained by Christ. For the life of Christ is the best and noblest, the worthiest and loveliest in God's sight that ever was or will be. Therefore, if it was not and could not be so with Christ, it will never be so with any man. Therefore, though some may imagine and say that such a life is the best and noblest life, yet it is not so. Chapter 30 On what wise we may came to be beyond and above all custom, order, law, precepts, and the like. Some say further that we can and ought to get beyond all virtue, all custom and order, all law, precepts, and seemliness, so that all these should be laid aside, thrown off, and set at naught. Herein there is some truth, and some falsehood. Behold and mark, Christ was greater than his own life, and above all virtue, custom, ordinances, and the like, and so also is the evil spirit above them, but with a difference. For Christ was and is above them on this wise, that his words and works and ways, his doings and refrainings, his speech and silence, his sufferings and whatsoever happened to him, were not forced upon him, neither did he need them, neither were they of any profit to himself. It was and is the same, with all manner of virtue, order, laws, decency and the like, for all that may be reached by them is already in Christ to perfection. In this sense, that saying of St. Paul is true, and receiveth its fulfillment. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, and are not under the law, but under grace. That meaneth, man need not teach them what they are to do or abstain from, for their master, that is, the Spirit of God, shall verily teach them what is needful for them to know likewise they do not need that men should give them precepts or command them to do right and not to do wrong and the like for the same admirable master who teaches them what is good or not good what is higher and lower and in short leadeth them into all truth he reigneth also within them and biddeth them to hold fast that which is good and to let the rest go and to him they give ear behold in this sense they need not to wait upon any law, either to teach or to command them. In another sense also they need no law. Namely, in order to seek or win something thereby, or get any advantage for themselves. For whatever help toward eternal life, or furtherance in the way everlasting, they might obtain from the aid, or counsel, or words, or works of any creature, they possess already, beforehand. Behold, in this sense also it is true, that we may rise above all law and virtue, and also above the works and knowledge and powers of any creature end of chapters 26 through 30 recording by j a carter www.afewparagraphs.com